And welcome into the Sharp Angle Sports Bowl Betting Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter. On the line right now is my partner in crime, my colleague, Brad Feinberg, one of the Sharps at Sharp Angle Sports. And Brad had himself an excellent college football season. And uh, Brad and I are going to be talking a lot about the college football bowl games and not about the bowl games specifically. Of course, we'll get to the finals, the semifinal games. But just going over some bowl basics when you're looking to bet some of the things that you might be looking at when it comes to the bowl season. But Brad, first and foremost, love having you on the podcast and uh, welcome in. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing great, Anthony. I look forward to this podcast. Look forward to going over the games and hopefully getting all the listeners out there some winners and make some people some money for the holiday presents. Agreed. So let's let's start off with some of your personal betting basics when it comes to bowl games. Because as we know, Brad, as, as Sharps, we look at the matchups, but you got to factor in injuries, who's jumping to the NFL, motivation. It's a, it's a different animal than the regular season. So some things that you look at specifically, Brad, from a bowl standpoint. Anthony, you just nailed it. Those are exactly the things I look at. And one thing I really like to do, Anthony, more so than any other time during the year, is do live betting during the bowl season because – there is a huge variance in only about, uh, I think it's like 13 or 14% of the games does the spread come into play in bowl season versus it being double that during the regular season. And that's, it shows me exactly the reasons you said. Some teams want to be there. Some teams don't want to be there. So if I, Anthony, see like a, a big underdog that's winning the game and people just assume that the favorite's going to come back, let's take last year's Georgia-Texas game as an example, you know, I'm looking to lie better. When I see a team that's mailed it in and is not all the way there, that's something I really like to do, and it's been a really profitable thing for me. Again, it, this thing really comes down to, as you said, motivation, who wants to be there. I try to look at strength of schedule also because when you have two teams that are not in the same conference playing each other, you want to see you know, what team played who. You know, they may have the same record, but really are they the same team? Have they faced the same caliber of competition? So those are definitely some things I like to look at. Brad, I love it. Let's stick with the, the live betting aspect because you just hit upon something that I think is very profitable and it's something that maybe bettors aren't aware of because they, they feel as though I'll play the the point spread or I'll play the total and then I'll watch to see if I if I hit. But if if you can yeah. be sharp when it comes to watching the game, understanding how it's unfolding, you can hit the halftime spread as well. I like to view the totals at halftime. You were talking about the spread, which I love. I like to look at sure. the totals. And, Brad, one of, one of the things, I don't, have, I don't have the hard trend number in front of me, but if you look back through the years, if you can kind of compile the data, Brad, one thing that I love is if the over hits in the first half of a bowl game, look to bet the under in the second half. I'm not saying bet it, bet it blindly. You still have to have an understanding of how the offenses sure, are performing. Sure. The deep, But, Brad, I think that's one aspect of you think about the total. A lot of times, odds makers know what they're doing. They know they. a lot of times you see how close they are to hitting that number or right around that number. These guys don't miss much. If you, the over cashes in the first half and it cashes by a lot, I like to book. I, I like to bet the under in the second half of these bowl games. Maybe you get a couple of um, longer drives, or if you get somebody that's out big, you can look to bet the under because they're trying to take the air out of the ball and get the hell out of there with a, with a W. So I like to look at the under too when it comes to the second half betting when it comes to the bowls. And that makes a lot of sense, especially 
especially when you get a team, like you said, they get, the game gets out of hand. The king of that hand has been Alabama. Their game's constantly 42 nothing at halftime, and they'll land like 49-7 because they just, what you just said, they're not looking to score, they're not looking to add it up. Here's, Anthony, what I'll say to everyone listening out there. When you play blackjack, if I told you you could see the dealer's hole card, it would raise your IQ quite a bit, right? Well, to me, when you're live betting, it's kind of like that a little bit. You're getting to see how the game unfolds. You can let your eyes tell you what, you, you know, what is happening without having to do the point spread beforehand or the over-under beforehand. You can actually watch the game, and you can see what you think, how the, you know, what teams have what advantages. So I, you know, as time has gone on, and in Europe, live betting makes up about 80% of the bets, at least, I believe. I think it may be higher than that. It may be closer to 90 here in the United States, it's not that way yet, Anthony. But I think as time goes on, people are going to see the advantages of live betting, and it's going to be something that I, again, I, I love to do. And um, I think what you said makes a lot of sense, and in the, in the, you know what you've done in the past with the over/unders. And again, uh, you know, I really want to drive home this point. You can't do it just blindly. You got under, you got to be watching the game. You got to understand the sure. game flow and things like that. But it certainly is one thing that I that I find to be profitable if you know what you're doing and hey if you don't no problem that's what sharp angle sports is for sharpanglesports.com brad feinberg had himself a hell of a year this year we have we are the home of james salinas so if you're an nfl better if you're struggling if you're just say hey listen i want to i want to follow what the experts do make sure that you subscribe to sharp angle sports you can do that at sharpanglesports.com james salinas was the winner of the 2015 west westgate resorts nfl super contest he was a third place winner in the same super contest in 2016 he's won it twice lifetime ats against the spread record uh, almost a 64%. And, and Brad, as we know in, in this industry, you're hitting, you're hitting over 60%. You know what you're doing. Well, to me, Anthony, if you're hitting over 55%, you're, you're, again, to me, 55% long-term, you're in the Hall of Fame. 64%, there's not a, that, that's the Babe Ruth wing of the Hall of Fame. You know? <laughs> it's just, no, I'm being, I'm being serious. I mean, people don't understand. If you can win 55% of your games, okay, I always, my motto is five and four. I always want to go five and four. Because I'm going five and four, I make, I'm getting 55.5%. And that, realistically, if you can do that, you can make a lot of money in this world. You can do very well doing this. And when people tell you they're hitting 80, 90% of their games, it's not true. Because if it was, they'd be richer than Bill Gates. Right. So and, they, and they wouldn't if, be hawking if, you. If, and they wouldn't be hawking you. Now, someone like Jim, who's been that dominant over that many years, it's, a, it's, an, it's an unbelievable thing. Because I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can recall... You know anyone really doing that over that that high of a winning percentage over that many documented games? I'm sure, Billy Walters in the past. I think the highest I saw he was was like 57, 58. So for Salinas to be at that number, uh, it's it's nothing short of amazing to me. Now we're talking to Brad Feinberg, Sharp Angle Sports. It's our bowl betting preview here. Uh, I'm Anthony Stalter, and again, if you go to SharpAngleSports.com. Brad and I have a bowl betting package out there that uh, is reasonable, and we're going to help you to hopefully win some money over the bowl season because there's still a lot of money to be made when it comes to the bowl season. A lot of people may say, ah, these games don't matter. Well, you you talk about some of the mistake lines. A lot of them you can find during the bowl season. But, Brad, let's let's jump forward a little bit. Let's talk about the semifinal matchups because I think if the casual better is going to do anything, and certainly they know this in Vegas – they're going to get a lot of action on the two semifinal games. So let's let's jump to first, and this is just kind of some general philosophies when you're looking at the semifinal games, Brad. 
You've got, of course, Oklahoma and LSU, and then you have Ohio State and Clemson, and that one is going to be highly intriguing. Let's let's deal with the higher line first. Let's talk about the LSU-Oklahoma game. LSU opened at a, as an 11-point favorite. It's now up to 13 and a half. Do you feel comfortable? I've been comfort- seeing a lot of 14s. Anthony. There you I go. I've seen a lot a lot of 14s, yeah, right now. Brad, what's your initial take on that LSU-Oklahoma matchup? Well, you don't know this, but I'm going to tell you something. Like Before the year, I bet two big future bets. My biggest bet was LSU at 60-1 to to win the national championship. Wow, good for so, you. Uh, I've, watched, I've watched all their games. I have been incredibly... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? It, it detailed and watching everything they've done this year. And invested. The other, my You've been invested. Was on yeah, invested. My second biggest bet was Oklahoma at 18 to 1. Now, what's ironic is the Oklahoma 18 to 1 ticket, believe it or not, is a negative expected value at this point because they're about a 5 to 1 underdog this game. They'll be about a 5 to 1 underdog the next game. True odds of them winning the title at this point, about 25 to 1. Uh, but I follow these two teams, Anthony. Probably as much as any two teams that I have in college football this year. Um, look, I'm going to say this about Joe Burrow. Uh, I, I think not only is he had the best year in college football this year, and Anthony, you, you know the sport as well as anyone, I'm going to say he's had the best year in the history of college football history. Um, you, you give me any player you want, any player in any era, and I will say Joe Burrow facing as hard of a schedule as there was in college football – completing about 80% of his passes, having an accuracy that I have. Again, I don't like to compare players to Hall of Fame players because I think there's a better chance not you're going to look really silly. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to break my rule. <laughs> this guy reminds me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do as I say, not as I do. But this guy reminds me, Anthony, of a mobile Peyton Manning. I, and Peyton Manning was the most – I thought he was just the, the best regular season player in NFL, and I and I think Joe Burrow, it's almost like he's throwing every pass, Anthony. When I watch him, and I've watched every snap they've played this year, it's almost like he's throwing a ball one foot away from the guy. Like he he throws every ball perfectly. Now, does he have great wide receivers? For sure. I mean, you know, I happen to be huge fans of Justin Jefferson, especially Jamar Chase. They're terrific. But this guy puts the ball every single time where it needs to be put. And his mobility, I can't tell you, Anthony, how many plays where a normal guy would be sacked. This guy's not Lamar Jackson. He's not even Josh Allen. But he has what I call great functional mobility, where he can extend plays, he can make special plays due to his athleticism. And I just think he's a special talent. Now, for them, I really think one of their unsung heroes was the running back, uh, uh, Clyde edwards Eclair, which I, I, I love Eclair. I think he's a... I love the way he runs. He runs hard against that Alabama game. You know, he was just, just so impressive to watch. But he has a hamstring. From what I gather right now as we take this, I'm not expecting him to play. I think it's a real loss. On the flip side, having watched Oklahoma all their games, Anthony, Jalen Hurts, I thought he deserved to be one of the Heisman finalists. I thought he had a great year. CeeDee Lamb, special receiver, uh, really, really strong. But to me... You know, having watched Oklahoma all these games, you know, once the Kansas State game started, Anthony, okay, they really started showing that they were very vulnerable, as in the past, on the defensive side of the ball. Kansas State exposed them, scoring over 40 points. You then get Baylor twice 
who had them on the ropes. And Baylor's okay at the end. I mean, they're a good team for sure, right. but they're not. They're nowhere near the teams that LSU's played. And then they got a narrow win against Iowa State and TCU, <laughs> and another one against Texas. I mean, they. I, I, I got to be honest. I don't think anywhere near. And I root for this team all year. I don't think anywhere near the fourth best team. I don't even think they're a top ten team necessarily. Um, I think these teams are completely outclassed. Um, now, I will say this. I had a big bet on LSU against Georgia laying seven, and it's going to be contradictory what I have to say. Even though I think Georgia's better than Oklahoma, I actually think that Oklahoma has a better chance of beating LSU because no one's going to stop LSU from scoring their points, and at least Oklahoma has a chance because of their great offense. Um, I, do, I did bet LSU minus 12 and a half. I still would like them laying 14. I just think there's a different class of team here, Anthony. Um, one thing I would say, to me, the only way Oklahoma can win this game, because I'm not expecting LSU to punt the ball, Anthony, more than maybe once. I'm being serious, maybe more than once. They're going to need to get turnovers. Like last week, for example, in the NFL, we saw a game between the Texans and the Titans where it was 0-0. Tannehill was driving down for a touchdown there at the five-yard line, throws the ball off a guy's helmet, and it's returned 80 yards the other way. Oklahoma, for them to win this game, they're going to need at least two plays like that where LSU is about to score. Not only do they score, not score, that Oklahoma is going to get the ball and have a chance to score themselves. Because if this game is played 100 times and there's no turnovers, I would be really surprised if they don't win the game by at least three-plus touchdowns, Anthony. I'm curious what your thoughts are having followed you know, the Big 12 so close this year. I don't know if you agree or disagree with my take on Oklahoma. Again, I see them as outstanding on offense. And I hate to say it, but, you know, same old story on defense. You know, uh, Brad, you mentioned the Baylor games, and I, I had to shudder a little bit because, as you just noted, I, I'm i the sharp for the Big 12 this year, and Oak, the Oklahoma-Baylor games got me twice. I loved Oklahoma yeah. in that first matchup, and when you watch the second half of that game, you understand uh-huh. why. You know, Un- I, Unreal. I, that was the most dominant half I've seen a team play all year. It was, like, I would actually go that far. That was the best half of football I think I saw a team play all year, and you thought it would set it up for game two. Just because it just didn't. That's that's exactly right. And Oklahoma jumped jumped out. They weren't crushing them. I think it was I think it was ten zero at one point. And I thought, okay, here comes the avalanche. But Oklahoma never got there. And I think yeah, when you when you look at Oklahoma, there's two sides of the coin. There's the Oklahoma that you talked about, which defensively had a really rough patch highlighted by that Kansas State game when they, they couldn't slow down a, a decent Wildcat team, but a decent in terms of the Big yeah. 12, not, not any other conference, and they couldn't stop them. And earlier in the year, you had a, you had a two- or three-game window where Oklahoma's defense looked dominant. You, you finally thought maybe Oklahoma's got a defense this year, coupled with the fact that Jalen Hurts was in the Heisman tr- Trophy uh, running early on. Toward the end of the year, I thought the defense started to play well again. But you know what? I started to question Jalen Hurts a little bit because Jalen Hurts looked like the same guy as he was at Alabama, which is a very good football player. But when you ask him to make some big-time throws inside the pocket, I don't think he can do that consistently. And part of the reason why Oklahoma struggled in that first game against Baylor was because he put the ball on the ground a couple of times and he put put his team in a bad spot, and they wound up you know trailing twenty eight to three or whatever it was, and they had to make that that mad dash. So Oklahoma is very very polarizing. I could see them hanging. I could also see them getting the, the their you know the doors blown off by an LSU team, 
that has been consistent all year long. But as somebody that covers the SEC, I'm going to throw a question at you, Brad. SEC, if I'm looking at one weakness, it's got to be the running, the, the run defense, right? Because the way that LSU looked against Ole Miss, Ole Miss racked up over 200 yards on the ground. I do wonder if there is one side here, if you like Oklahoma, to at least cover the 13.5 to 14-point spread. I wonder if Oklahoma can keep the ball on the ground, keep Joe Burrow on the sideline, start to short, shorten the game a little bit. And as we know, if a team can shorten up the game and they're a, they're a double-digit dog, you makes, it, makes, it makes them a live dog from a betting standpoint. Listen, I got to tell you something. I really enjoyed everything you had to say there because I agreed with every single word of it. I think you're spot on in every single thing you said about Oklahoma. I agreed with, and again, I like you. You haven't followed the Big Twelve all year, uh, and I specifically followed Oklahoma this year and watched their games. Everything you said, couldn't agree more. Now, LSU, to me, Anthony, one thing I will say about them: they, look, their defense has it been good? No, I mean, you know, certainly not. But I will say this. The last couple games of the year, you know, I think they got a little more. Texas A&M game, they win 50-7. to Texas A&M, are they a great offensive team? Absolutely not. But they held them to seven points. Georgia, who I thought was an incredibly limited offensive team, but they were still ranked number four in the nation. You know, they won that game 37-10. So they at least maybe showed me that maybe they're tightening it up a little bit. But what you said is what I actually think, and I don't think coaches – and I think coaches should hire people, math guys, to, to show them probabilities. What you just said, if I'm Lincoln Riley, what am I trying to do? Not, obviously, you're trying to win the game. What is your best chance of winning the game? Is your best chance of winning a game is not going fast. It's not trying to score touchdowns in one minute. It's trying to shorten the game where you're making a game from 60 minutes. You want, I would snap the ball with one second to go in these plays. I want to make, when you have the worst team that is clearly the worst team, you should be trying to, sh- to shorten the game however you can, running the ball more, taking more time off the play clock, not trying to score quickly. I know it sounds counterintuitive. Of course, if there's a touchdown there, you're going to take it. Right. But I want a 12-play, 80-yard drive taking six-and-a-half minutes as opposed to a four-play, 75-80-yard drive taking two minutes. Because the longer the game goes, I'll give it a comp, Anthony. If you go play blackjack in the casinos, casinos will comp you. Yes, they'll comp you on how much they bet, but they comp you more based on your time because you can't beat time. So because they know the longer you're there, the better chance there is that they are going to absolutely beat you and you're not going to be able to beat them. And same thing with this. If you're someone like Lincoln Riley, you want to make it a a shorter time period for them to have to beat the better team. And I don't know if he's going to do that. And sometimes I think coaches fall prey to this is what we do best. Oh, they have to worry about us, not, you know, us worrying about them. That's such a mistake. That's amateur hour. And that's why I say I think sometimes these coaches, and I say these coaches, I mean like just in general, like they get too big of an ego of what they think. They don't, they don't understand math. They don't understand probabilities because what you said could be on the SAT's test. It's a true-false. There is no doubt what you said is accurate. They need to shorten the game. They need long, time-consuming drives, and they're going to have to get lucky on defense with a couple stops here and there on maybe a turnover that just the ball just bounced their way. If there's a fumble, that Joe Burrow fumbles the ball, if LSU recovers it, nothing you can do. They, they need to get that break where it goes their way. A deflected ball, they need to intercept it, not have it hit the ground, because the longer the game goes, the better chance is they're not going to be able to beat the better team. Um, 
while I do think this LSU team, Anthony, has words defensively, and yes, they, they can be run on, they can be passed on. Jake Fromm had a lot of open guys. He just wasn't accurate enough to hit them. Right. Um, but I think, this, I think this LSU team is so just amazing on offense. I, I will say they're the best offensive team I've ever seen, and I know there have been a lot of great ones. I know that. But I think this quarterback is that good. Um, and I think the only chance that Oklahoma has, Anthony, is exactly what you said. But I don't have faith that they're going to do that. I, I, and that's what I'm saying. We talk about live betting. If you see Oklahoma, quote, unquote, playing fast, I'll say good luck to them. Right. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it, you know. Brad, great, yeah, great stuff. Brad Feinberg joins me right now. Anthony Stalter, Sharp Angle Sports Bowl Betting Preview Podcast. And before we get out of here, we got to talk about the Clemson-Ohio State game. Now, that point spread, a lot closer certainly than the LSU-Oklahoma point spread. Clemson, depending on where you looked, I mean, Ohio State may have caught a, a you know, minus, they, they might have been a one-point favorite very early, but consistently consistently now across the board you see in Clemson minus two Clemson minus two and a half but that point spread has not gone up to three I think when a lot of people look at this matchup Brad they say okay Ohio State has been spent a lot of time being number one spent a lot of time being a juggernaut I wonder if things started to change a little bit when they trailed Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game now of course they came out in the second half and dominated much like Oklahoma dominated Baylor in that one game where they fell behind uh, but Brad, I also think that, and and you you tell me if I'm wrong on this. You got a different opinion. Great. I also think Clemson is a juggernaut that has flown under the radar all year long because everybody wants to knock them for only beating North Carolina by one point when Mac Brown went for two at Chapel Hill earlier in the year. And it's like ah, Clemson doesn't play anybody. Clemson's got a ton of talent. They won the national championship last year. I think Clemson's been flying under the radar for multiple months. Uh, but the, the it is true they haven't been tested in the ACC. What are your observations of this semifinal game? Anthony, I feel like we're a boy band because we are in sync. Everything <laughs> you're saying, I am absolutely on board with. It's, it's, everyone's just been criticizing this Clemson team because the schedule is light. Is it light? Absolutely. There's no question about it. But here are the reasons you know I like Clemson. There's a, there's a few of them, Anthony. First of all, they are playing, in my opinion, their best football of the year right now. You know, I think they've clearly uh, offensively really picked it up a notch or two. I think people forget, Anthony, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Heisman Trophy preseason favorite. This guy showed his chops last year against, you know, Alabama and, and, the, and the championship game. He showed he was on the biggest of biggest stages. He could be as good as any player in the nation. Justin Ross, T. Higgins, outstanding wide receivers. Travis Antiani, another a great running back. Now, are J.K. Dobbins great and Justin Fields great? Absolutely. But if I'm looking at it from Ohio State perspective, I'm saying last couple of games of the year against a, a good a good Penn State team, get off to a big lead, the game becomes a four-point game in the fourth quarter. They showed real leaks in there in that game, in my opinion. And, and Clifford, the a Penn State quarterback, was also out of that game injured. And then the Wisconsin game, you know, that game was right there for Wisconsin for the taking. Had the big lead at halftime. A couple breaks uh, went Ohio State's way in the second half. Muff punt. Uh, kind of thing, and they they just obviously played better, like you said, kind of like the Oklahoma Baylor game, which you compared it to. But I think they're not necessarily playing their best, you know, football of the year right now. And an interesting thing, Anthony, is the head coaching difference. Ryan Day's done a great job, no question about it. I'm sure any Ohio State fan is tinkled pink with what he's done. But Dabo Swinney, nine and one against the spread, okay, and eight and two straight up, just straight up as an underdog in these bowl games. 
I want you to think about that, Anthony. I didn't see eight and two against a number against the, as an underdog. Eight and two straight up with no point spread. That shows me that this guy in games where the opponent as more talented or equally talented, he gets his team up. He knows what to do. Can is Ryan Day a good coach? I'm sure he is. Am I taking Dabo Sweeney over him in this spot? 100% yes. I think this is the most intriguing game on the card. It's the game I'm looking most forward to watching on the card. But I just, having watched Ohio State a lot, they did everything that you want them to do. I get it. It's not a knock on them. But I think that what you said, I think Clemson is that sleeping giant. They're the team as having that LSU 60-1 to ticket I'm more fearful of because I think they have the offense and the defense to get it done. I think they're going to win this game and cover it. Yeah, you, you touched upon something, Brad, that's, that's also something that we, we started the podcast talking about what are the the general principles, so to say, so to speak, when when you know somebody like Brad, who is a sharp, he does this for a living. He's looking at when it comes to the college football slate, and there's a, there's a couple of different principles there. One of my other things is how much time are you giving a head coach? And Nick Saban, you give him a month to prepare for you. Good luck. Now that second game, the national title game, we saw this last year. A little less time to prepare. Not that he's. Not that his teams are underprepared, but you give Nick Saban a month, good luck to you. You give Dabo Sweeney a month, good luck to you. And I think the experience factor plays in here. Dabo Sweeney won it last year. He's been in this yep. spot multiple times before. We'll see about Ryan Day. Heck, we'll see about Ed Orgeron. So I think when you look at the experience factor and you're looking at your college football card and you're kind of thinking, okay, well, which head coaches have been here before, Brad? That's also something that I look at. Now, it's just part of it. Yeah, you gotta you kind of cap the whole game. You gotta cap the whole the whole situation, it. but, but it's, it's a big, big part. It's a big part of it. Yeah, it really it really is a big part of it. And that his history, you know, Anthony, I think is so just impressive. I mean, I don't I don't remember anyone being when you're an underdog, you're you're supposed to be just that an underdog that's supposed to lose the game. This guy's winning at an eighty percent clip outright. It's incredible. No one. I mean, it really is incredible. But that to me shows me everything that you just said, Anthony. Again, obviously, it shows your experience in the industry, and you, you follow this stuff. That's the kind of things you look for in these bowl games. You want the experience side, and, you know, to me, Davis Sweeney is that. And doesn't mean that Ohio State can't win the game. They certainly can. It's come down, I'll bounce here, bounce there. But I'll take my chances with the team that won the title last year, the team that has the experience, and the team that has the better coach. I think it merits a play. I'm Anthony Stalter, Brad Feinberg. It's the Sharp Angle Sports Bowl Betting Podcast. Don't forget to head to sharpanglesports.com if you haven't already. Make sure you subscribe to Sharp Angle Sports, the bowl betting package. It's available. Brad is got and, and it's not just bowl betting and all. Oh, it's just the New Year's Day bowls and it's the semifinal playoff. Bowl. No, we're bowl picks for every single game. It starts off with the Bahamas Bowl, which, which is this weekend, and Brad's got a selection for you, Charlotte and Buffalo. So we're looking yep. at all the games here, and, and Brad, I think it's going to be another fantastic uh, bowl season, and I'm looking forward to a lot of the matchups. Do you have any other kind of thoughts on the bowl betting season before we sign off? Well, I want to ask you one other question, too. I want to know who you're picking to win the national title because as someone who has that 60-1 to ticket, I, I want to know if you're picking LSU or are you like, eh, you're going to go with Clemson. I, I kind of sense a Clemson, but I want to know if I'm right. Uh, you know what? I'm highly imp- I'm, pr- I'm highly impressed that you're holding the ticket anyway. You're holding two tickets now with LSU and, and Oklahoma. Obviously, one of those is going to be dead uh, in that one final game. But 
I, I didn't I didn't see LSU as a national title contender, certainly in the mix in the SEC, but we're we're just so used to LSU disappointing teams, so or, or disappointing people. But you to hold that ticket is highly impressive. Uh if I if if I may, I, I would hedge a little bit. I do like Clemson. I think that Clemson, and I've I've said this for the last couple of months. I feel like Clemson's flying under the radar with the experience there. They're so good at all three levels. They can run the football. Lawrence has been there before. Lawrence was a freshman last year, hadn't even started the entire season. He steps in. He's so dominant against Alabama. And I do think there's some holes in LSU's defense that can be exploited, which is so backwards. I mean, you talk about LSU. We're discussing holes, Brad, in the defense for LSU, and they they had a Heisman Heisman winner at quarterback. Like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, But I do like Clemson, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But they also have the, the tougher matchup. They've got Oklahoma to start, so I'd feel real good about at least holding the ticket. But if Clemson gets in, uh, I it, to me, if I was holding that ticket, I would hedge. Um, but but you were way ahead of LSU, certainly before I was. So I, I do lean Clemson right now. we got to wait, obviously, to kind of collect more data on the playoff games. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the one I'm looking at, and that's the team I've circled heading in. How about you? I, be- I believe the game is in Louisiana, am I correct? That one, yes, it's in the Superdome. Yeah, so that factors in as well. Good point. This little bonus: if LSU wins, unless they win by forty points or you know, Oklahoma, and if they only win by, if they don't cover the spread, they're actually going to get severely penalized. Okay, right. Clemson or Ohio State, regardless which team wins, it doesn't make a difference which one it is, is going to get insane credit for beating the other team, whether it's by three points or 30 points, they're going to get insane credit. So my opinion is, and I, I could be wrong, uh, I think that they're going to get more of a bump just regardless because if they're going to be beating a great team. And unless LSU wins like 60-7 to seven or something ungodly like that, I wouldn't be surprised to see, especially if it's Clemson, I wouldn't be surprised to see them favored even at LSU in that game. So, you know, that's kind of my take on it, but... We'll see, we'll see what happens. But, Anthony, I think we gave some good pointers and what things to look at in these games. Do your research. Look at the weather reports. How, you know, for example, is it going to be windy? Is there going to be, you know, like stuff like that? Is it going to be rain? That can affect totals, things such as that. As you said, mentioned earlier, Anthony, which guys are going to the NFL? Which guys are – read the local newspapers. See if you can get, like, a little tidbit on someone who is – which team has the better motivation? Because these games are so much comes down to motivation. Who wants to be there? And don't be lazy. Do live betting. Watch the games. Not only it's fun to bet them beforehand. Absolutely, that's what you know most people do. But also let your eyes do the do the talking for you. Like watch the games, see what you think, and and you can make a lot of money that way too. And if you need some help in all that, great. Head to sharpanglesports.com. Not only subscribe to the betting package, and you'll get picks from Brad and I in all the college football games. We we split them up, and uh, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. But. NFL needs some help there. Certainly, as you head into the final two weeks of the season or the playoffs, Sharp Angle Sports we have you covered. It's it's all sharps. It's guys that know that know what they're doing, uh, including Brad Feinberg. Who uh, Brad, I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. I can't wait to see your picks for the college football uh, bowls and the playoff games. And I hope we get a chance to do this again because it's a lot of fun on this podcast today. Anthony, you're the best. I really appreciate you having me on. I really, you know, really enjoyed hearing all your takes on it stuff as well, too. You obviously know your stuff at an extremely high level, and I enjoy talking to people that really know this stuff and follow it the way that you do. So I want to wish you and all the listeners out there a Merry Christmas, and good luck to everyone, and uh, 
we'll get hopefully we're going to do this uh for round two. Yeah, definitely. And, and Brad, uh, high praise coming from you. First. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. High praise coming from you. And, and and the same for Brad. You know, look, happy holidays for any any of the listeners out there. Head to sharpanglesports.com. Make sure you get the bowl betting package. You won't be disappointed. Trust me on this one. You, you're going you're gonna to love the, uh, the analysis. Hopefully make you some money around the holiday seasons as well. I'm Anthony Stalter for Brad Feinberg. This has been Sharp Angle Sports Bowl Betting Podcast. Good luck to you. Cash in all your bets. We'll talk to you again soon.